Ever wonder what is to blend your passion for cycling with creating content? What is really like to be a full-time cycling content creator? Welcome back to another episode of the Basalon Cycling Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry. Before we jump into the episode, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for cycling gear and gadgets, check out all tricks. They have everything from cycling glasses to tires. They have it all. Use my discount code, I ride for candies for 5% extra off. Link in the description. Joining me today is Juliet Elliott, a multidisciplinary cyclist and one of the biggest cycling content creators with a super successful YouTube channel inspiring people from around the globe. Welcome to the show, Juliet. Thank you very much. <laughs> ah, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. I mean, you you do it all, like an ex-pro snowboarder model and now creating uh, awesome videos on YouTube. So how did it all start? Uh, I'm wondering, uh, how did you decide to share your uh, cycling journey uh, with uh, people online? Um, well, it started really quite, quite a long time ago now, back when blogging was the thing. You know, bloggers were you know, starting to get better known and people were reading more and more blogs. It was really when people started um, investigating different forms of communicating with people, like directly. So not just magazines, you know, mm -hmm. it was blogs and stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, however, that's not why I started a blog. I started a blog because I wanted to record my adventures so that I could look at them. And it just felt like a better idea to do that digitally because... I never got photos printed anymore, so I couldn't paste photos into a physical diary, but I always shot fo uh, digital photos and I just wanted somewhere to put those and then write a little diary so I could look back on that and remember what I got up to. Um, so the blog started doing quite well because I was part of um, a growing cycling sub-genre, fixed gear cycling. Um, <laughs> So all oh, of us, yeah. yeah, we were all like really into reading what other people around the world were doing because it was quite a small sort of close-knit community. So you, you sort of knew who the other women were, particularly around the world doing the same sort of thing. And you'd want to look at their blogs and see what tricks they'd learn. And then you'd be like, oh, damn it, she's leaving this bass bin. I've got to go out and learn that too. <laughs> so we were really inspired by each other. Yeah. And there was this kind of community um throughout the world built up through blogs and sharing stuff online like that um and then it just kind of morphed into making videos because i decided to put video content on the blog rather than just writing i thought oh that'd be fun and cool mm. and a nice way of showing people what i'm doing so yeah it's just and showing tricks <laughs> it's better <Yeah>. on video <laughs> <laughs> a little bit yeah so it's just a way of sharing stuff really with Uh, like-minded cyclists around the world and kind of developing a, a community even though we're all in different places oh wow <laughs> that sounds exciting so you started in the fixed gear scene but now you are doing more adventures uh like uh, cycling trips and also ultra races i saw yeah yeah well i've just dipped my toe into that which is why i know who you are because obviously i've seen all the cool stuff that you've been doing um But yeah, I started with the fixed gear thing because, well, I lived in London and that was a really simple kind of bike to build. And also, of course, as I mentioned, there's this really cool, fun scene around it all. But when I, um, well, that, that sort of sparked my interest in cycling. But when I left London, 
that's when I got into all the other stuff because obviously, um, well, I, I just feel like fixed gear bikes really suit an urban environment. And once I left that environment, I wanted to ride other kinds of bikes. So I got into mountain biking, road cycling, and more recently, obviously, gravel cycling. Although I say more recently, it's been quite a while now that I've been into gravel. Um, <laughs> and it just, like with switching from writing blogs to making videos, it was just a kind of natural journey, really. Like, depending on where I was in my life and what I was finding interesting. So um, I guess I'm quite lucky in that the things that I find interesting, other people are interested in too. So, you know, it's not like one minute I'm doing fixed gear cycling, the next minute I'm suddenly interested in synchronized swimming. That's not going to work for a, a vlog. <laughs> yeah. But um, because it's a sort of natural progression through different cycling disciplines, I think other people are on the same journey maybe so they can relate to it and they find mm -hmm. it they find it entertaining maybe I hope <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I get a lot of questions like uh you know how is like uh, as a content creator how do you find inspiration to keep doing uh videos about cycling and ideas uh how do you balance all of this uh, are you a full-time content creator Yeah, well, I I mean, I say I'm full time as in it's it's my job, but it's not I mean, mm -hmm. I don't have enough time to do it like nine to five at all, because my partner and I've got yeah. four kids and life is just uh, sorry. Let me just turn off that annoying mail. Um, so although <laughs> it is my main it is my main Busy job, life. Yeah, <laughs> it's my main job and I have bike sponsors and commitments to sponsors. I, there's no way I do a nine to five because there's just so much other stuff going on in my life. But yeah, it is what I focus on. Um, and in terms of finding inspiration, uh, I mean, I, I'm just, I just ex still very excited about cycling. So there's always something I want to go and do. And if there's something fun to go and do, then the content is super easy. It just comes naturally because I'm excited. I'm mm -hmm. somewhere cool. I want to share it. The hardest stuff is if you're stuck at home, like it's bad weather, yeah. you can't be bothered with stuff and you're like, well, I haven't made a video for a while. I should do something. Um, <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than capable of I making relate to that. videos, but yeah, they're not so fun, are they? <laughs> Mm, yes <laughs> it's like me on the couch looking at my bike and the rain and wishing yeah. to be in another country yeah. <laughs> oh wow that sounds fantastic and speaking of rewards being a full-time content creator surely comes with perks and challenging how do you manage sponsorships and partnerships while staying true to your passion for cycling um well i have got some long-term sponsors Uh, which is really, really nice. And uh, like a lot of those have just come out of genuinely liking those products. And I've ridden like with WTB, I was riding their tires for years before they asked to sponsor me because I just really like their tires. Um, and Marin, I was riding mm -hmm. their mountain bikes for a long time before they signed me as a gravel rider. So I prefer to stick to brands that I have a genuine connection with whether that's with the person working there specifically or you know I feel like I have an affinity with the brand um sometimes mm -hmm. they'll be like one-off things will come along and someone will say okay we'll give you x amount of money to feature this product three times over the next 
three months. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that I have to consider more carefully because I want it to I want to make sure it's something that people will be actually interested in. Um but also yeah, exactly. But also I ha- I can't discount offers like that because I've still got to pay my mm-hmm. bills. So yeah, you do have to be give those greater consideration. The best ones are obviously brands that support you for the whole year and you you know, you're helping each other out. That's the nicest one. Yeah, I think that's uh, really important. I also uh, find the same, like when you work with uh, brands like uh, you already use and, uh, you know, you know their products and also uh, it's also good to kind of be the the middleman between the audience and the brands because sometimes, uh, you know, people are asking for something. Brands don't know pe- what people are asking for, so you can give this feedback. I think uh, yeah. it's maybe what I enjoy the most, that you can be part of this development of new products and try the cool stuff first. Do you find the same? Any yeah. like um, uh, cool things that you think, oh, I, I really like happy that I was able to try uh, this out and that was not maybe available? Yeah, that's really fun. Anything and, like you think was a cool product, like highlight, like you were like, oh, I got the chance to try this uh, new bike or, you know, before it was released or. Yeah, there's some funny little niche products like the Restrap hi- Hiker Bike Harness. Did I think I saw you using uh, that. Yeah. Uh, that was a pretty cool one because at first I'm like, <laughs> what is this? And then you're like, oh, it's really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, so- it's really useful. Huh? You think, when I will use it? And then you yeah, go on an ultra race and there's a hiker bike and you're like, you uh, you feel like, ah, oh, that's why I brought it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I think I'm going to be using that one in November. I'm doing Grand Guanche Trail. So, um, you know, oh, the wow. one, the race, that, well, it's not a race, it's an event, but obviously everyone wants to get there as quickly as possible. <laughs> so... Um, the one that goes across the Canary Islands, they have the road version, the mm-hmm. gravel one and the mountain bike one. So I'm going to be doing the mountain bike one. And apparently there is hiker bike. So I'll be using that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Canary Islands are very, uh, the climbs are very steep. Yeah, if there's a hiker bike for sure. It yeah. will be useful. Wow. <laughs> and talking about the events that you've been uh, racing, I saw your... Um, your experience at Cross Andes, it looked like an epic adventure, definitely a challenge. How yeah. do you think it compares to other events you've done? I mean, the, te- the weather was terrible. Yeah, the weather was terrible. I mean, it was only a matter of time before I, en- I ended up in a race with bad weather. You can't be lucky all the time. So in some ways, it's yeah. good. I've done that now. And um, OK, so maybe there's some things I would do differently next time. But um, I'm kind of glad I experienced it in a way. It was super hard, though. I mean, just I can't say it's not what I was expecting, because obviously we were all checking the weather weather forecast before the event. So we knew what might happen. But obviously, we're all really, really hoping it doesn't. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just so, so cold. I mean, some women had to scratch after I think the one of the race leaders she had to scratch after one of the big descents because she was just so cold she was getting hypothermic because there were quite some quite long climbs which um you know you'd warm up on and then you'd hit the descent and it would just brutalize you because you know all the accumulated sweat and 
the rain it was yeah it was really hard but what an experience I mean that's what one of the reasons we enter things like that right because the intensity of it yeah is, exactly. you'll never forget it <laughs> <laughs> that's true especially about ultra races yes his experiences you never forget I mean I saw people like covered in plastic bags there yeah. and everything I was like wow and I saw your video and I I also wonder like uh Uh, people ask me, how do you find the motivation to film yourself when you are suffering? <laughs> What well, keeps you motivated? In my case, I think I'm I'm talking with a friend, you know, and complaining to a friend. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what I was going to say. It's like you've got all these people there with you, which is really nice. You know, you're like right in the middle of nowhere and it's hard, but you it's almost like you have these supporters and you're telling them the story and you I like that I like sharing it it's sometimes it's difficult because yeah you can get into a low a low place and you're thinking oh I haven't said anything for ages and I really need to try and tell this story now and how am I going to articulate it because I'm very tired but mm. I'd say the majority of the time I enjoy storytelling and it's like having your friends with yeah. you so yeah <laughs> yes, I, I find the same storytelling. Like, uh, it's like when you are old and you start telling your battles, and it's like, okay, it's the same in the uh, YouTube videos. It's really fun. And also, um, when you inspire more people to do these events, I guess it's like the, the most rewarding because you show the good, the not so good, so people know what they are getting into. I think um, I really like your style because it's more real. I find sometimes like um, these very polished films about the races is nice, but it doesn't yeah. tell me anything about the event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, sort of it, it, over the last few years, there have been certain points where I've thought, oh, do I need to try and increase, you know, the production values of my videos? Does it need to be more professional, more polished and stuff like that? Um, But the feedback that I got was no. And I kind of thought, well, thank God, because that would be a nightmare. That's, just, that's <laughs> yeah. too difficult for me. Um, I think you need a second camera person, don't you? A second, second camera operator and people flying drones and stuff like that, really. Um, I guess some people manage to film it in a very polished way, but gosh, that would be difficult. Um, so I'm glad that um, the feedback I got was just to keep doing it the way I'm doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, sometimes uh, this production is, feels distant, you know, it's like, oh, okay, just a person passing by every now and then, and it's like, what happened in between, you know? <laughs> and then yeah. when you see, like, uh, even if it's a, a GoPro footage of somebody, like, you know, the struggles in the race is what really happens, because there's so many moments that uh, somebody that is just there sometimes cannot capture. So I think I really like uh, watching race videos to prepare for races. Do you do We the do. same? Sometimes yeah. I go on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Which would you say is your like a uh, go-to, uh, any go-to person or channel that you like to draw inspiration uh, from? Well, obviously I've watched yours. <laughs> That's why I know who you are. <laughs> Thank you so And, much. Um, <laughs> uh, I remember asking you questions in the past, like, where is where have you put this and how are you doing that? Um, I really like um, Cynthia Wattwagon who's been smashing it oh, at a lot yeah. of ultras. So I always check out what she's doing um, and just sort of general YouTube stuff. Um, so, yeah, I am, I am that nerdy person who is like, I mean, like zooming in 
oh my god what what (laughs) has she got on there and um what's in her bags I really want to know so I I like doing a bit of research like that it really I find it exciting and inspiring so yeah mainly women is that's what I like to look at when when it comes to um ultra inspiration yeah yeah, that's so uh, inspirational because, uh, you know, when I started uh, looking on YouTube like a few years uh, ago, there was not many content for women or, you know, even trying to find a picture review. I think I found yeah. one of your videos and I was like, there was only one or two. And now it's so nice to to have more uh, people sharing the journey and also more women um, competing on the high level in this kind of events is really nice. I don't know, you can relate more. More <laughs> with yeah. some of the uh, specific struggles, I will say. And talking about gear, uh, what was your setup for across Andes? And there's anything that you were like, oh, that was game changer. Like, if I could take one thing again, it would be this one. Oh, there was, I mean, although the race didn't work out, I felt like mainly the gear worked pretty well. Um, so I went for a um, like a synthetic down jacket because I was worried about the rain and I knew that if I had um, normal down, then it's not going to survive in the rain. It doesn't stay warm and you can't dry it and stuff. So I had synthetic down jacket as a mid layer and that worked really well. And obviously a really great Mm -hmm. um, uh, waterproof jacket. My, the best thing was my seven mesh thunder pants, which are these amazing waterproof pants. They were so, so good because they tighten right up around your ankle really snugly so um, you don't get them caught in your chain. They're just really comfortable to wear. They're totally waterproof Gore-Tex. They were amazing. The um, I also had this horrible-looking hat that I bought from. Um, <laughs> it was like this really thin merino skull cap I mean I hate the way it looks Mm -hmm. but it was so so good because it was really warm it dried really quickly and um it kept my head warm I wore it the entire time um the things that were an issue this is really stupid of me um I I didn't have any overshoes and everyone yeah everyone in the start town in Koyaiki everyone was buying overshoes like they were sold out in the whole town. Every single pair had gone. Oh, wow. And then I went to all these outdoor shops. I was trying to buy waterproof socks. There were none of those. So um, in the end, I bought some spare socks and I took some plastic bags and stuff like that. But that was a big, stupid mistake. Um, and then the other problem was my hands. The gloves are great, but nothing can really withstand that level of rain for so many hours um, and the cold on the descents. So I would, next time I would take a pair of fully waterproof over gloves. So this guy on the race, he had these waterproof mittens from Decathlon and they're really small and they're really thin. I want those next time. Yes, that's the good thing in ultra races. There's, I don't know, people manage to find solutions for problems you didn't even know existed, yeah. and then you're like, wow, that's genius. <laughs> I spend a lot of time researching gear. Uh, yeah. And uh, can you tell us about your bike? I think you got uh, some few upgrades I saw the other day on Instagram. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, 
So I took my Marin Headlands, which is the frame that I raced on in Across Andes. I took that up to see my sponsors and they tricked it out with new Envy wheels with Chris King hubs. They put all these extra little nice bits and pieces from Wolf Tooth on, including an elliptical tra- chain ring, which is meant to um, oh, wow. make yeah, it's meant to make you pedal more efficiently. I don't know. I've not tried it yet, but that's the idea. And then, um, <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to hear how this one yeah, performs. <laughs> I'm interested. And then the other change that I made was I put narrower bars on because. Um, Like everyone has wide bars for gravel bikes because of the control and because of bike packing bags. But actually I've been getting quite a mm-hmm. lot of shoulder pain and neck pain. And so the guy that does mm. my bike fitting, he's like, you just need wider, bar- uh, narrower bars. Like you really do need narrower bars. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Everyone has wide bars. And he's like, well, I mean, how, you don't need wide bars for carrying bike packing bags because you always go super light. And I was like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of control, do you feel like you need more control? Are you? And, and I was like, no, I suppose you're right. So I'll try it. So um, I think that would be the setup for kind of the fast, less technical kind of things. It would hopefully make my... Um, Well, it will make me more aero and also it will hopefully ease some of the shoulder yeah. pain and stuff. And then if I'm doing a Do race... Do you use bar- aero bars for races? Uh, the aero bars? No, well, not yet. Not properly. <laughs> I can't find the right setup. So I was looking at yours and I saw the Jager <laughs> ones, but they're so yeah. expensive. <laughs> Yes, uh, I think uh, cycling is an expensive hobby. Luckily, I don't have more. <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. one I you had the uh, the little are they Sirocco? They're like really oh, little. Oh yeah, the Sirocco ones. Yeah, yeah. I've been like getting them. a lot of questions about this like one. Yeah, I think they are good um, aerobars. I don't know. These ones are good for gravel because you don't spend much time on the aerobar, so it makes you faster and more aero in the tarmac sections. But uh, for long periods of time, I wouldn't recommend it. If you stay more the, than one or two hours, then you start to be uncomfortable. But uh, as they are one piece, they don't rattle loose. You know, sometimes there's yeah, a lot of screws. Yeah. You don't want anything that rattle loose in gravel. So, um, uh, what what are you liking now? What are you using for aerobars now? Uh, well, I have for uh, road, I have the Dedajet Aerobars that is one piece carbon. So it's yeah, really comfortable. It has like really high walls. So you can even steer uh, while cornering because you can push against the wall. So you can really keep oh. the aero position and it's very efficient. And uh, it's like, a, I don't know, lying on a couch, especially when you start to feel sleepy. But <laughs> off-road, as you don't use them that much, the Sirocco ones, because then you don't have screws that rattle loose or yeah. anything. And uh, they are quite they are quite good. But uh, yeah, aerobars also for gravel has been like a trend. I remember an interview with the winner of... Uh, Of Badlands, Rob Britton, I listened to, and he was like, oh, you know, all the guys is like, oh, they didn't bring aerobars, and then I brought my aerobars, and I was much faster. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you see this trend of people also going for narrower uh, handlebars also, and mm. uh, in mountain bikes, changing the handlebar for a drop bar mountain bike. Yeah, I'm not sure about mm. that. My friend Chris, he, he did that, but... He says he did it because he broke his wrists. So he wanted to ride a drop bar bike, but he needed the comfort of a mountain bike. Um, 
I don't know. I'm I'm undecided about that one. <laughs> yeah, you were considering that for Grand Wanchu? No, no, I'm going to go full on. I'm going to go. Well, I know that um, Marina bringing out a new bike, um, but it's not released yet. So I can't talk about it. I'm going to ride that. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> secret tech. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be an exciting event. When is it? It's in November and I'm doing it as a pair with a friend of mine who um, who doesn't race. He's just a good friend of mine. So um, we both signed up and then he's just noticed how far some of the days are. We, I saw him yesterday and he's like, oh, my God, have you seen that the Gran Canaria day is 4,000 metres of climbing? Um, so he's like, we better get training. <laughs> <laughs> Do you train for the events in advance? Do you follow any structured training or how do you prepare for, uh, let's say, uh, a ultra race or a gravel event? Um, well, I'll tell you, but I also want to know about yours. Um, so <laughs> I, I do have a coach, but I'm, I am the most annoying person to coach, I think, because I find it quite hard <laughs> to stick to the plan. So um, I do stupid things like I'll go for a run and then it'll mean that uh, my legs really hurt when I'm trying to do intervals or he'll set me something to do on the turbo and I'll be like, oh, but I want to do this Ruby race. Uh, that's what happened yesterday. Um, so I do find it hard to stick to. But on on the main, yeah, I I do, you know, a couple of shorter, intense turbo sessions. I do two long rides a week. It's all standard stuff, really, that same as the other people it's just I'm not very good at being consistent that's my biggest downfall because like if my friends are like oh we're going to go mountain biking at the weekend and I've got if I've got a training ride in there that I'm supposed to do like four or five hours on the road but they're going to the dirt ride dirt jumps or something for sure I'm just going to go with them so um it's hard to, hard to stick to but I try sometimes actually no I don't really try but anyway <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes uh, hard to stick to the training plan, <laughs> but yeah. I think it's it's quite good to have one put some structure, even if you don't follow it all the yeah. time. What I find the most is uh, taking a uh, difficult is taking a rest day. It's like hurts me. I don't know. I'm used to cycling every day, and it's like, oh no, rest day. What is that? <laughs> Switching a bit, the 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 stuff you do also keeps it more interesting, as you said. Also with cycling, now that you can go, you know, like do gravel road uh, mountain bike races yeah. i don't know there's something something exciting to learn or uh, you know to improve i think uh maybe that's what i enjoy the most about cycling it, it, it doesn't get boring i don't know if, if it's the same for you yeah absolutely um i think that was the biggest revelation when i started riding gravel because I'd ridden all the roads around here for so long. You know, you do start getting bored of riding the same roads in and out of your town or whatever. And then when I started riding gravel, suddenly it was like a whole new area. There are all these new routes and new places to go. Um, so that's why I like all the different disciplines, just to keep it interesting. Um, and open up and see the world in a different way, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, what exciting plans you have for the season besides Grand Wanche? Um, quite a few. Uh, let me try and remember. Well, first of all, I think I'm heading out to Sea Otter with Marin, uh, my bike sponsor. Ooh. So 
should be doing the gravel race there and the mountain bike the cross-country race as well I think and then um, I've got some events in the UK like um, the gravel rally which is from the people who put on pan celtic race that looks good I can't do oh, pan celtic that's a cool yeah. one yeah yeah pan celtic I would love to do one time but because of all the children it's just a bit too long I don't think I've got enough time same with TCR same with the tour divide I can't do anything that's <laughs> super long um what else am I doing? Mm. I'm going bikepacking in Slovenia with Sisters in the Wild. And... Oh, wow. That yeah, sounds that really cool. Slovenia is beautiful. Yeah, I really want to go. Excited about that. And then, oh, I'm doing Biking Man in Brazil. Um, ah, I met, yeah, okay. I met the guy who puts on Biking Man Brazil at across Andes. And he invited me to do it. He sent me the sign up link and I signed up immediately. And then he sent me a WhatsApp. <laughs> like, I just wanted to talk to you about the race because there's a lot of climbing. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, just, just to warn you, there's a lot of climbing. I wanted to put you in touch with a woman who's done it before so you guys can talk about gearing and stuff. And I'm just thinking, well, that's very kind of you. <laughs> but what have I signed up for? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, better not to know. I think most of the races I do, I sign up and then I find out what they are about. <laughs> yeah, that should be fun. Yeah, there's two extremes. You prepare a lot or you just sign right, up cool. and, and go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it tends to be more adventurous, I would say. Maybe in things like uh, if it's a routing, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> when it's a uh, you know, fixed route, it, it's kind of okay. You know, they did their job with the route yeah, and they're not going to exactly. send you in the middle of of the jungle or or anything like that <laughs> oh wow that sounds like really exciting plans yeah, yeah a lot of cool events now popping up i don't know i have the feeling there's uh, more and more uh like long distance uh ultra races in also different countries i don't know some yeah. exotic ones definitely yeah it's such a nice way of seeing the world isn't it yeah exactly i think um that's um I don't know what uh, draws me to it, the, the way you see the world, because it's more authentic. You wouldn't go to these places otherwise, and you have the chance to interact with locals in races that are fully supported, or that is like, you know, maybe you just, with the community there, you are just like, go to the country, and it feels like similar to other events, but in a different location, yeah. but uh, in unsupported races, because you have to take care of everything yourself. Yeah. It's like uh, you are forced to interact with the locals, and you go uh, to the small villages and yeah. everything so you really get the authentic experience i yeah, mean I, I couldn't go back to to traveling in a conventional way yeah i i guess it's the it's the same for you know uh, based on your adventures and youtube videos seems like you really immerse yourself into the culture of the places where you go yeah absolutely that's what's so fun about traveling by bike isn't it you're you're right in there so yeah for sure it's fun <laughs> and uh, talking about the future, as fellow content creator, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about the current state of like uh, 
creating content in platforms like YouTube. Where do you see the future of cycling content heading to? Like now everything is kind of changing. Well, I think, I mean, it feels like it's got, it's set, there are two different paths you can take. You know, you can, there, there are people like Francis Cade who have gone into a kind of media house and they've brought in people to work with them and they're producing content that to me feels quite similar to what cycling magazines and GCN were originally producing. Um, I know mm -hmm. that, I mean, there is, a, there is a bit of a difference, but to me, it feels like he's gone down that route. Um, I think there's also the other side, which is um, the more uh, vlog style thing, which is what I'm doing, um, which tells stories in a completely different way. And I can't see myself ever making the switch to the way that Francis is doing it. It's just not how my brain works. It would be, it just wouldn't yeah. work. I mean, I see your level of professionalism and I do think, gosh, I should be more like that. But it's just not how I, <laughs> it's not how I do things. Like, so I'm going to stick with um, the storytelling the way that I do it. But interestingly, I've noticed trends on Instagram that people are getting tired of the really polished, staged yeah. content. Um, and actually, if yeah. you're posting little snaps and you're being um, a bit more real and down to earth about things, people like that because I think the whole platform's oversaturated with staged, polished professionally shot content yeah i think so it's like instagram versus reality i, I feel also i notice it on instagram that it's more like people uh, want to see the reality you know yeah. it's the same like uh in adventures or uh videos it's like okay i want to see what really happens is yeah there is this uh nice and artistic one but once you see one or two it's like uh i don't know <laughs> it's not that that interesting anymore yeah. <laughs> and um uh, it, maybe it's a bit uh, mean, I don't know, but uh, I like to see the real struggle, you know, is that he's crying there at night, he's showing it, you know, <laughs> I want to see that. I don't totally. want him to, to say, oh, it was so easy, I'm so strong. No, I want to see what really happened to you. And Absolutely. I think I can connect more as a person because it's like, oh. I've been there too, you know, I've been crying alone in a mountain and I wondering why I signed up for this race. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like there's a place for all different kinds of, you know, storytelling. You've got art, art, really artistic stuff. You've got beautiful photography out there. And I'm definitely inspired by that too. Um, you know, beautiful photography is, yeah, I, I enjoy looking at those sort of accounts. But when it comes to cycling personalities or athletes, personally, from those accounts, I want to know what they're having for breakfast and what they like and what they're doing. I want the more personal stories. I think that's that's a really cool part of social media, you know, getting to know the person like that. Um, so I do enjoy the showcases of beautiful photos, but I suppose I'm more interested in photographers showing me that. And then I want, I like the athlete yeah. showing me the reality of their daily lives. And talking about connection with the audience, we got some questions for you. So, <laughs> well, I think you reply uh, some of them already. Okay. Uh, you know, the future, future plans that uh, you planning the, yeah, to continue uh, making uh, videos on YouTube. Uh, what was a general uh, question about the future? They want to know what uh, is next for you. What's next? Well, I mean, I'd hate to be boring, but more of the same. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, you know. 
So um, more more bike packing adventures and some ultra racing. Um, last year I did some of the UCI. Well, I did one UCI gravel race. I hated it. So I won't be doing <laughs> yeah. <anything like> that. <laughs> so definitely sticking to the more adventurous side, exploring, traveling, that kind of thing. Um, and then, um, yeah, riding all the different kinds of bikes. Oh, one slightly different thing is um, if it all goes to plan, then I will be racing my fixed gear bike again, which will be fun. So, um, yeah, so I want to go and do fixed 42 in, in Berlin, which is put on the guy, by the guys, um, the rad race guys. And I used to race their event ah, like years ago and I haven't for ages. Um, so I want to go and do that, which should be fun. So that's a little bit different for me. Oh, yeah. Looks like really fun. I always see their Instagram stories. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't know, they are yeah. super popular. It sounds yeah. fun and uh, definitely like keeps you there. Like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. Really fast, really <laughs> energetic. Yeah. Well, and another question is why Shimano versus Ram? Yeah, there's some discussion out there. You know, we have the Shimano as Ram fans. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I didn't understand you the first time. Oh, right. Oh, well, this is a bit of a trending topic on my channel because, um, well, I used to ride for SRAM and I don't anymore. And I've had some problems with my group set recently. I didn't know whether to say anything publicly because I don't want to sound like I'm pissed off with SRAM or something because I don't ride for them anymore. I'm not. I just had Mm -hmm. one issue with a derailleur. And I've always been happy with SRAM in the past. I think they're great. I don't ride for them anymore, but whatever. I still think they're great. It was one issue. However, I have now got Shimano on my bike. <laughs> so, <laughs> so make of that what, what you want. Um, I, I think they're both good. Um, so, yes, I'm trying to be diplomatic here. <laughs> That's good. And uh, the final question, three questions for each interview. So... Uh, what is your favorite video of the ones you produced? Oh, that's tricky. Um, the ones I like... A often, treasure memory. Yeah, I suppose anything from Rwanda, because that was just the most fun ever. It was so fun. That was my first ultra, and uh, I did it with my friend Juliana, who I'd never raced with before. And, I mean, of course it was hard. It's an ultra. Um, and unfortunately, Juliana got injured. But... It was just so funny. So I love those videos because the situations we got into and the places we stayed and the food sometimes not working out. And like, I just, Juliana kept saying, I can't understand why you're always so happy about everything. And I was like, because we're in Rwanda (laughs) doing this cool stuff and it's so funny and I'm so stoked to be here. So I like those videos because it reminds me of good times. No, that's so nice. Yeah, it's a it's a nice memory. I watch my own videos and there's a lot of things I forgot. It's yeah. like, wow, it was so nice. It's, it's kind of, I want to do it again after watching some of the videos. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, that's everything for today. Thank you so much, Juliet, for joining us. I'm looking forward to follow your next adventures. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to following yours as well. And thanks for having me on. Don't forget to check out the Basalon training plan in the show notes and description. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, rate the show and leave a comment. And on YouTube, subscribe and leave your questions in the comment section below. Until the next episode.